there's good news and bad news this morning. The bad news is I'm not Pastor Sid, but the good news is that um, I'm borrowing Jesus' sermon on the mount. So I figure, you know, as long as I stick to what he said, I should be okay. I can't mess it up too bad, right? Um, but when you look around this world, there's a lot of beauty. I mean, I'm, I'm loving these trees that are so beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? And just look around God's creation. Also, there's beauty in people that God made in his image, right? There's goodness and there's beauty. But also, it doesn't, it's not hard to find ugly either. There's plenty of ugly in this world. There's ugly behavior and ugly circumstances. There's, there's plenty of suffering and there's plenty of injustice and there's plenty of um, evil things that go on all the time, every single day. Innocent people suffer. You think about um, you know, child abuse, sex traffic. You know, I was reading um, some website that said that slavery, that right now, on a low estimate, over 20 million people in this world are right now suffering under some form of slavery, modern-day slavery. And when you, when you think about those things, it just makes you, you, you grieve for this world. And, and some, you know, ask God, why? Why is it like this? Why, after 2,000 years, you know, the angels proclaim when Jesus was born, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But still, there's 2,000 years later, there's still no peace. Or you turn on the TV and you watch the news. Probably not a good idea, but um, you see all the division, all the, the rioting and the looting, and, and, and our culture is seemingly like racing away from Christian values. And it, and it makes your heart grieve for this world that we live in. Right? It makes you long for a better world, a, a perfect world. It's almost like it's almost like we're in this world, but we're not really of this world, right? Now, when Jesus came, here's the good news: when Jesus came, he ushered in a new world, a new kingdom, one that is radically different than this one. It's not something we can see with our eyes, but we certainly can experience it in our hearts and our lives, and we can see maybe glimmers of it in our world. And one day, we will see it in its completion, right? A perfect world of God. So, we are going to, um, well, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Preaching the good news of the kingdom. Now, when we hear the word, the phrase good news, we think of the gospel, right? That means good news. That through faith in Christ, we can be forgiven, we can be reconciled to God, we can be, um, we can have a, 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 the assurance of heaven. And that, that is the focus of our faith, is the gospel. I'm going to call it the gospel with a big G. But what Jesus, interestingly, when Jesus was here on earth, he didn't really talk about that too much. He talked about the good news of the kingdom. And then everything he talked about was about his kingdom. And so that's what we're going to look at today, this, this new world, this new kingdom. We're going to look in, in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me there, or your Bible app. Um, we're going to be covering a lot of ground. We're going to go through the whole sermon. We're not going to just verse by verse. Although, as the church said, I, did, I could use some extension of uh, um, so we're going to compare our present world with Jesus.
what, what God had in mind. So in Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 10, it says, Happy in spirit are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn now, for they shall be consoled. Happy are the meek, for they shall be enjoying the allotment of the land. Happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Happy are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Happy are the clean in heart, for they shall see God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And happy are those who are persecuted on account of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. So in this first section, I believe Jesus is focusing on justice in his world. Uh, now normally, when we read the, this section of Scripture, we think that, and I've always thought that this is like a checklist of things that we should you know, strive for. Like we should be pure in heart. We should be peacemakers. We should hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that, that is true, that those are godly characteristics. But it almost seems like this is more a message of hope to people who are suffering in this imperfect world. And as Jesus sat down to speak that, that day, he sat down on the mountain, the people he was talking to were suffering, right? They were very, very, very poor. And what, what about their health care? What kind of a health care system did they have? They didn't have one, right? If you were sick, you were sick. They didn't have medicine. They didn't have treatments. They didn't have dentists. You ever have a toothache and wish, man, I had those dentists? Or anything like that. And they, they died then, too. And then they also they were oppressed by the Romans. So they were, they, were, they, were, they were very receptive to Jesus' message. And so Jesus sat down and begins to speak. And he, he compares this world with his world. And he says, happy are the poor. In this world, money is king, right? And if you have money, you have power. And those who have money and power, they wield it over those who don't. And if you're poor and down and out, you don't have much to say of anything, right? But Jesus says, be happy. Be happy. In my kingdom, money has no meaning whatsoever. God loves the wealthiest, most powerful person just as much as he loves the most poor, down-and-out person, right? In, in fact, it says in James, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Jesus says, Happy are those who mourn. There is plenty of sadness in this world, isn't there? Plenty of tragedy and suffering. My brother-in-law uh, suffers for 10 years terrible back pain, multiple surgeries, and, and then he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he, he just passed away this year. But we all go through, we all experience this tragedy and suffering at times. But Jesus says, be happy. Be happy in this world. In my world, there will be a day when all that pain and suffering and sorrow and tears will be wiped away, right? In, in, in this world, Oh, wait, have you, have you guys read that verse in the Bible that says when you become a Christian, you won't have any more problems? How many people have read that verse? Do you remember that one? No, that, that was in the book of First Opinion, I think, in that one. But, but Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But then he said, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome this world. We are not like those who have no hope. I don't understand why people can 
can live in this world and see, you know, everything that's going on and, and, and believe that there's nothing beyond this, that there's no justice that will ever be done. And, I, and, and Mark, I, I hope, I just don't understand how people can live that way. Jesus said, happy are the meek. In our world, it's the loud and the brash and the self-promoting that get all the attention. But Jesus said, be happy. If, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you have to be the least, right? The world says, find yourself. Jesus says, lose yourself. I believe, you know, there's some big-name Christian authors and speakers and everything like that, but I really believe that the superstars in the kingdom of heaven, we'll find out one day, are people that we have, we don't even know their names, right? Because they are just faithfully doing what God wants them to do every single day, and they are, they are the great ones. If you long for an end to all the horrific suffering and abuse and evil, vile, disgusting things that go on in this world, you, you're not going to be able to escape it because it's there. I mean, we can, we can ignore it. We can just kind of bury our heads in the sand. But one day, godliness and purity and innocence will be all that we have. We will be able to be beautiful children. You, you remember, Janice, when your kids went through this phase when they were like really innocent, like so sweet and innocent, right? Like they're old enough, they're old enough to, to communicate with you, but they haven't really been kind of tainted by, you know, culture and maybe by their own nature a little bit, but they're just so sweet and innocent. It's such a, it's such a beautiful thing. I think our kids' period of innocence is about, like, um, two days or something like that. But it's a beautiful thing. Um, in our world, showing mercy and forgiveness and being pure in heart and, um, you know, being peacemakers, it's not necessarily looked up, looked, looked up to, but in Jesus' world it is. So now, can you imagine these people sitting here listening to Jesus speak? And I, I think they were shocked. Like, how can this be? How, how can we be happy like this? And But I bet I, I just imagine them closing their eyes and maybe a smile coming across their face, thinking of how beautiful our nation is, how wonderful a world that would be if this were really true. You know, God's ways are so much better than our ways. And then Jesus shifts a little bit, and he says in Matthew 5, 20, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound like good news. The Pharisees were super religious, right? They were like experts at keeping the law. They not only kept the law, they you know kept it to the nth degree. And Jesus is saying, unless you're more righteous than they are, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, I, I'm sure they were very, very confused. What does he mean? I mean, they're superstars in religiosity. Here we are. We're just poor, miserable sinners. But in this next section, Jesus, in, Ma- in Matthew 5, 17 through 6, 18, he begins to contrast kind of a surface-level uh, righteousness compared to true godliness and holiness. He says, you've heard it before said before, do not murder. And if you murder, you're going to be in such a, in, in such a judgment. But I tell you that if you even anger your good covenant, you're going to be subject to judgment. It says in 1 John that you can't say, I love God and hate your brother. The two don't go, don't go together. You've heard it said before, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that if you even look
look at another woman's with less than the Calvinist view of adultery. Uh, yeah. Jesus said, you've heard this said before, keep your oaths and vows that you make. But then he says, in my world, you should be so honest. It's like a person of integrity that you don't have to make vows. That people just, when you say something, they know that you mean it, that it's true. That your yes be yes and your no be no. In our world, it's, it's eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. If somebody does something, you do something to them. It's kind of even speed, right? If somebody gives you a present that you weren't expecting, you got to give them a present too. So then now you're even, right? But in Jesus' world, he says, he says, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to them also, turn to them to also, also the other. Give to the one who asks. If someone asks you to go one mile, go with them too. If they ask for a cloak, give them a cloak as well. In Philippians, it says, consider others better than yourself. Concern yourself. It's so different, isn't it? It's like opposite of our world. In our world, love your neighbor, but it's okay to hate your enemy. But in, but Jesus says, love your enemy. Pray to those who persecute you and despitefully use you. In our world, people often do things, uh, acts of goodness or spirituality for other people to see. But Jesus said, be so quiet about your hate deeds that you bless them, they even know it, right? Be so with such pure motives. That's hard to do, right? You see, the problem with us, with humans, is that left to our own devices, we tend to drift into kind of a fake, formal kind of living, right? But, uh, and we also kind of look for, we look for loopholes that can be found. And so we're really good about that. I have an example. I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but you may know that I'm, I'm not a fan of masks, okay? I'm, I'm, maybe you could call me an anti-masker. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but an anti-masker. Okay, so we were on this uh, trip, on this plane ride on spring break to uh, New Orleans. And, of course, when you're on the plane, you're required to wear the mask the entire time, right? Except when you're eating. So they bring around these little bags of snacks, and I'm opening it up, and I'm enjoying the mask being off my face, and I'm realizing that, you know, if I eat these, I can get really flavor. And I, I turned to Mary and I said, you know, Mary, I'll bet you I can make this bag of snackies last the entire two-hour flight. See, I was trying to find a loophole in the system. I wasn't, I was trying to follow the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. But you see, Jesus can see through our own hypocrisy. He sees right into our hearts and he knows the goodness, and he knows us in good, bad, and otherwise. God's ways are so beautiful. They're so lovely, so pure. The rest of this sermon uh, on the Mount um, seems like instructions for living out the ideals of Jesus in Jesus' world while we wait for his coming. So he says, how should we live? He says, well, you should invest in heavenly treasures. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and destroy, and thieves break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because where your heart is, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Chapter 6, he said, he talks about trusting in God for our well-being. Don't worry about the diet that you're following. If, you know, don't worry about what you eat or drink or wear. He said, and your Heavenly Father knows that. He knows what you need. But, but seek first. Don't you love Jesus' words? See, I, I feel I get away with this. I'm just taking Jesus' words and talking about it. He says, 
But seek first the kingdom of God and what he's asking us to do. All those things will be added to you. Right? I would say that that worry is the opposite of trust. When he talks about how we should be careful not to judge other people, knowing that we ourselves are standing in need of mercy. And if there's the same measure that we, we judge others, we're going to be, be judged. And then finally, the golden rule, we call it, so in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. I just love Jesus. It's so pure and holy and so lofty, so much different than our world. So here we are. We have the world we live in, and we have Jesus in it. And it's, it's a paradox. Like we are, we are citizens of another world, yet we're living in this world. We are, we are spiritual beings in a physical body. C.S. Lewis once wrote that, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can, can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. We were made for another world. This world um, is not our home. So there's this tension between what is and what should be and what, what will be. And I believe that it's really important how we respond to that. How we view our world makes all the difference. Now, we can take, we can take an overly negative view and look at our world and say, wow, this is, this, this is horrible. It doesn't seem like things are getting better. Or, or what can I do? You know, me just simply doing this. The problem is way too hard. Or you can get angry at God and say, God, why do you, why do you allow this to happen in this world? Why aren't you like this? Or we can give up and say, you know what? I know that Jesus is coming back and this world is going to be done away with again for all eternity. I'm not interested in that. That's not, that's not good. You, you know that there were, there were Christians that in the early church that, that quit their jobs because, because Jesus said, I'm coming back. And they were like mooching off other people, and Paul had to correct them and say, "Hey, go out, get jobs, and you know, live in this world. We live in this world, um, so that's not good. Uh, we and, and as Christians, we should not have that escapist mentality. We should be we should be loving people. We should be helping people. You know, our the love of God in us should compel us to help those who are hurting." To, to, to see a need and to respond to it. That is what we should do as Christians. Um, but I also think we can be, we can take an overly positive view of our world and focus all of our thoughts and energies on maybe fixing this world. You know, that, I, that if I do this, this, or this, that'll, it'll, the world will be better. You know, if we, if we enact this law, or if we pass, you know, if we, if we just eliminate this problem in our world, then everything will be okay. And the world will be, we can all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Um, this is not a new idea. I think inside of humans there's this longing, longing to create this perfect world. Did you know that um, at the turn of the 20th century, there was a, a pretty widespread belief that mankind is getting better, that our world is getting better, that we're progressing. Uh, and so there was a lot of these groups that formed. Like people, people went off in communes. They joined these communal groups and thinking that we're going to help. We're going to help usher in the kingdom of God. 
We're going to sell everything we have, and we're going to live, you know, and we're going to share everything, and it's just going to be a beautiful thing. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to find utopia. This is, this is our goal. This is an overly positive view of our world. You know, all those groups disband because of abuse or corruption. And then, of course, the 20th century, you know, the 20th century was the bloodiest in human history between World War I and World War II. So this is not a new idea. I think you know this right there. You remember John Lennon's song, Imagine? It's not kind of the same thing. You know that one? Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try and there's no hell below. Well, the one, the one phrase says, Imagine no possessions. I can just sell the human spirit. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people in the world without it. That's a beautiful idea, isn't it? It almost makes me want to say, remember that quote from Oprah? Uh, too, too precise. That's kind of the same thing. That, that thinking that we're going to fix this world. But the problem is this world is under a curse. It's like, it's like it's, it's a virus. It's a worldwide revival, a worldwide virus that it's our sin. And it, it's, it's not going to get any better soon. In Romans, it says that the whole creation is groaning, as in the pains of childbirth. And we too groan inwardly as we await our adoption as sons, the redemptions, redemption of our bodies. It says this whole world is groaning. This world is not meant to last forever. Our bodies are not meant to last forever. Does your body ever groan? Does it? Yeah. Um, my, my kids make fun of me and they say that I make amen noises when I get up and sit down. And I was working on my roof this week, putting shingles on, and my, my muscles are, they're not just groaning, they're like yelling at me. Like, why are you doing this? But, and here's a, maybe a controversial statement. God's will, in some sense, is not done in human bodies. Even though we're supposed to pray that way, like Jesus said, you know, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. But, but it's not God's will that little babies suffer and die. It's not God's will that people get killed, tortured. It's, you know, cancer is not God's will. It's not his desire that that happens. And so, you know, we have to keep that in perspective. When I was growing up, I heard this phrase quite often. It says that that person is, is too heavenly minded to do any earthly good. Like their, their head is in the clouds. All they're thinking about is heaven. They just want to go to church all the time and sing songs and enjoy, you know, God's blessings here in this church. And I think that's, that can be true. But I also think it's true the opposite, that you can be too earthly minded to do any heavenly good, too. So we have to be balanced in our, our, our viewpoint of this, that, it's, that we have to understand that while this world is under a curse, it will never really be as God intended until the new heaven and the new earth. So don't pin your hopes on it. Don't, don't, just, don't, don't become so entrenched in this world. But we are called to do our part, to spread His love and goodness and to, to expand His kingdom in this world. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But, if we think like, 
like and respond to things like the world, our lives will become clearer. So that is the goal. That is what Jesus is telling today, is to let your light shine, to be different in this world. But it's hard. It's hard to do. Because we live, we live in this world and we experience it with our five senses, right? It's all around us. And, and Jesus' world is invisible. So how do we keep focused? It's very, it's very difficult. So here's, here's, a, here's three tips. Here's three tips to, to live in this world but not be of this world. Travel lightly. Don't become so invested in this world that you get distracted from what's really important. Love people, not things. Also, renew your mind. Every day, we, we have the world's messages. It's like bombarded us daily, all the time, from sun up to sun down. But we, but we should renew our mind. In, in, um, in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, the world... Not, maybe not intentionally, right? It wants to, it wants to squeeze us, pressure us into thinking and acting and reacting exactly like it does. In Jesus' world, it's totally different. And so we have to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. How do we do that? How do we, how do we renew our mind? I'm really asking right now. How do we do that? What has Pastor Sid been bugging us about for like a whole year? Reading the Word, right? Being in the Word and, and, and letting God's Word transform our lives. Otherwise, we are going to let our, our lives go down. And then lastly, be led by the Spirit. We can't love our enemies by ourselves, right? We can't have peace in the middle of a storm or hope in the middle of suffering without God's Holy Spirit. And so we have it, but we have to do it. We have to be, we be led by the Spirit. We should be controlled by the Spirit. We should be we should keep in step with the Spirit. Be Spirit-controlled because it's God's Holy Spirit in us that will do, that will that help us to let our light shine. As the worship team comes this, this morning, I'd like to close with a few thoughts. Jesus concluded his sermon by giving us this little analogy. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And as we embrace the ideas of Jesus' world, as we reflect them to our world, there is great reward. We're building our lives on a strong foundation. And also, if you're here this morning and you're suffering, or you're going through something right now, or maybe you've lost a loved one, or maybe you're losing a loved one, be happy because you know you have a hope that this, this is not the end. There's no certain end. And God's, God's kingdom is eternal. This, this world is just like this. He says it's like a mist. Lastly, if you are here today and maybe 
think this is really great. That sounds really wonderful. But it's almost like you feel like you're on the outside looking in. And you don't understand how can I love my enemies? How can I have peace when there's, when there's suffering? Well, it's, it's supernatural. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. We're going to pray this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for your beautiful world, the beautiful world that you've created. God, I thank you for the truth, the goodness, and innocence, and purity, God, of you, that, that you are a good God, and we can trust you, and we know that you love us, you care about us. And God, I just pray for those here today who are suffering, Lord. I pray that you would give them a peace that goes beyond all human understanding. God, I pray that you would help them hear them with your love and your compassion. And God, I pray for those who are distracted, by this world, I pray to God that you refocus us, God. Help us to be a light. Help us to show love and compassion and do our part, God, to, to 